Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. designed to help you fall asleep. Find us on snoozecast.com and follow us on social media and wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is supported by Little Terriers with Big Hearts. Tonight, by listener request, we'll read the opening to Grey Friars Bobby, a 1912 novel by Eleanor Atkinson based on the true story of the dog Grey Friars Bobby. This novel is written from the point of view of the dog, Bobby, and uses Scottish dialogue, as the novel is set in Edinburgh, Scotland. The book is written from the mind of a dog, which makes everyday events strange. The opening line references a church clock as a time gun, for example. Get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. When the time gun boomed from Edinburgh Castle, Bobby gave a startled yelp. He was only a little country dog, the very youngest and smallest and shaggiest of sky terriers. Bred on a heathery slope of the Pentland Hills, where the loudest sound was the bark of a collie or the tinkle of a sheep bell. That morning, he had come to the weekly market with Auld Jock, a farm laborer, and the grass market of the Scottish capital lay in the narrow valley at the southern base of Castle Craig. Two hundred feet above it the time gun was mounted in the half-moon battery 
on an overhanging, crescent-shaped ledge of rock. In any part of the city, the report of the one o'clock gun was sufficiently alarming. But in the grass market, it was an earth-rending explosion directly overhead. It needed to be heard, but once there to be registered on even a little dog's brain. Bobby heard it many times, and he never failed to yelp a sharp protest at the outrage to his ears. But, as the gunshot was always followed by a certain happy event, it started in his active little mind a train of pleasant associations. In Bobby's day of youth, and that was in 1858, when Queen Victoria was a happy wife and mother, with all her bairns about her knees in Windsor or Balmoral, the grass market of Edinburgh was still a bit of the Middle Ages, as picturesquely decaying and gothic as German Nuremberg. Beside the classic corn exchange, it had no modern buildings. North and south, along its greatest length, the sunken quadrangle was faced by tall, old, timber-fronted houses of stone, plastered like swallows' nests to the rocky slopes behind them. Across the eastern end, where the valley suddenly narrowed to the ravine-like street of the Cowgate, the market was spanned by the lofty, crowded arches of George IV Bridge. This high-hung viaduct thoroughfare that carried a double line of buildings within its parapet leaped the gorge from the tall, old, gothic rookeries on High Street Ridge just below the castle esplanade. It cleared the roofs of the tallest, oldest houses that swarmed up the steep banks from the Cowgate and ran on by easy descent to the main gateway of Grey Friars Kirkyard at the lower top of the southern rise. Grey Friars' two kirks formed together under one continuous roof, a long, low, buttressed building without tower or spire. The new kirk was of Queen Anne's day, but the old kirk was built before ever the pilgrims set sail for America. It had been but one of several sacred buildings, set in a monastery garden that sloped pleasantly to the open valley of the grass market and looked up the castle heights unhindered. In Bobby's day, this garden had shrunk to a long, narrow, high-piled burying ground that extended from the rear of the line of buildings that fronted on the market, up the slope, across the hilltop, and to where the land began to fall away.